Hey, welcome to Store Brand Comics. This is Tio, and the other guy is Brandon. You're going to hear his voice in just a bit. Uh, just letting you know that this was another, like, sort of, uh, uh, not really put together, but this is another episode full of stuff that we um, cut from a different recording session, because we just have a tendency to, to start talking. We're just a couple of chatty Cathys. So, um, just uh, wanted everyone to know for context, um, just for, like, the early stuff in this episode... This whole discussion that we have here started with um, the fact that we watched the trailer for a new animated DC superhero movie called uh, Justice Society World War II. Um, I, I don't know when that movie's coming out, but uh, yeah, that's why this conversation sort of started. So uh, here it is. Um, but yeah, a YouTube video. Right, right. Well, yeah, no, it was there was a Wendy's advertisement playing on the. Right, the, right. Wendy's advertisement. Well, I started. Right, right. I, well, I noticed like right after I sent you the invite, I noticed that there's a trailer for the next um, DC animated movie up for Justice Society World War Two. So I, right, right, a trailer for a DC animated movie. We get you, Tio. We get you. Look, dude, if I was going to be watching hentai, I would have taken care <laughs> of that already. <laughs> I've had all morning to do that. Who's the, um, you might, you might know better than I, uh, who's that old, like, golden age DC hero who's like, he wears like a yellow cape and he's got like an hourglass symbol as his main thing? Uh, hour man. Hour man. Okay. Yeah. So it's looking yeah. like, um, it's Jay Garrick, uh, the original Black Canary, Our Man, and Wonder Woman, plus Barry Allen from, you know, the present, uh, who accidentally time-traveled back to World War II, all teaming up. For some reason, I thought Barry Allen was going to say, turns out the Nazis are bad. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Huh. It turns out, <laughs> against all odds, the Nazis were the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. It it is it interests me somewhat. Um, I I like the at first whenever it first started, I was a bit iffy on the art style, yeah. but uh, as it went in, I I started digging it more. Yeah, yeah, this, um, as far as, like, um, yeah, what it looks like, um, it feels similar to Man of Tomorrow, the most recent animated Superman movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, though the overall character design does actually seem a little different. Um, yeah. It's, it's something I, I might check out. One thing yeah. I will, uh, tell you, you can pretty much pass on is that new Deathstroke movie. Uh I saw that. Oh the the what's it called? Knights and Dragons or something like that? Uh yeah. Something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. The first uh, half is good. I like the first half. The last half is one of the most boring things ever to where I didn't finish it. I really? literally I usually finish a movie. It was just like two wasn't even i guess it's generic but it was also just so boring compared to the first half like i just didn't care about anything that was happening to where 
at one point I was like, you know what? Like I got better things to do with my time. Cause I was down visiting family Yeah. and I was watching it. And I was like, I would much rather go play like dominoes <laughs> with my family. Than oh my God. This. Yeah. Well, uh, the first half is good, but yeah, whenever yeah. it flashes forward, it's just really boring. Okay. But yeah, for me, um, for my uh, like DC animated movie collection, I am kind of just planning on collecting as many as I can get, regardless of quality. Um, yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, you I've, got so many now, you might as well. Yeah, I've 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 heard um, I've always heard that basically, uh, once once Flashpoint happens, kind of similarly to the comic books, actually, once Flashpoint happens, the overall quality does sort of go downhill. Um, yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, and I've I've heard you know there are a lot of reasons because even the stuff that isn't a part of DC's shared animated continuity um, also kind of takes a dip in quality during that era. Um, and I've always heard that that's basically pretty much due to the passing of Dwayne McDuffie because he was like the major creative force behind a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I like I like the direction they were going with it, where it like felt more like a cohesive universe yeah that it was like new 52 and like each movie like progressed after itself i like that aspect with those uh post flashpoint movies but like in terms of quality there's some that are good and they're not even like great they're just like yeah that was good and then like the rest are like mediocre yeah um i uh I do like the idea of since I don't think Warner Brothers is ever going to figure out how to get a functional um, cinematic universe in their live action movies and their or their theatrical stuff because yeah. um, Warner Brothers themselves as a company just can't stop meddling in it um, and yeah yeah and making too many of their own plans like one of the things that makes marvel work is the fact that disney backs off from it so much and lets kevin feige and all of the people under him um do their jobs yeah um, they, they realize like how much success has come of it they're like yeah. well if we do anything now like we could mess up this this money pot that we have here. yeah because because um, yeah, pretty much. And they, they tried doing the same thing with Star Wars, I think, with J.J. Abrams, and that didn't quite work out as well. Because I think at first J.J. Abrams was supposed to be the like creative head of Star Wars at Disney or something like that. I'm not sure, though. That's that's just what I've heard. I don't, I don't know how accurate that one is. Right. But, um, yeah, but uh, I mean, post-sequel trilogy now, I think Disney's mostly hands-off approach to star wars is going to end up paying off as well yeah they're yeah, turning but... star wars into another cinematic universe but honestly i considering how much of that's going to be on tv instead of it in theaters um i have you know more faith in it yeah yeah it's easier to make a big shared universe with tv shows than with movies i think which is why it's so astounding marvel managed it for 11 years yeah for sure and plus with with uh with tv you're just able to dive deeper into a lot more stuff and yeah characters a lot better even though like you had a whole prequel trilogy to kind of do that with anakin which i i don't hate the prequels 
but I will say like they could have managed like the whole Anakin thing a lot better. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not like the best progression. No. Um, like, you, you basically have to have stuff like the Clone Wars to help with that. That's what I was gonna say. A lot of people who I've heard who talk about, um, you know, Star Wars and stuff, they uh, uh, basically they apply everything they know about Anakin from the Clone Wars to the prequel trilogy, and that you know makes the character better, even though the way he's presented in the movies is very different from the way he's presented in the show yeah i mean yeah the 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 clone wars was basically made because like we kept hearing about the clone wars and we never we saw like five minutes of it in the second movie really yeah um and so you just hear all this stuff and you're like huh like it was mentioned by obi-wan and and a new hope and all this stuff it'd be cool to kind of see this so they finally did it and then they also realized man like anakin his arc wasn't like that spread out or that well defined within the prequel trilogy. Yeah. So let's let's kind of expand on that some. Yeah, um, I I I love the Clone Wars. I haven't seen the last season that came out like last year, but eventually I'll see it. Mm. But yeah, but that is one of the issues with um, I think the way that Anakin's story was told in the first place, because it's you know it had to be structured and built the same way that the um original star wars trilogy was and the original star wars trilogy was all three movies in terms of timeline have pretty significant gaps between them all three um of the original trilogy star wars movies are basically just the three most important moments of that war so it's oh yeah yeah so like the three most important moments of the war are luke joins the rebellion um and the death star gets blown up uh then it's basically luke goes to train as a jedi and fights darth vader for the first time and learns that he's his father and han solo gets frozen in carbonite and then the last most important moment of the war is the end of the war yeah and the second death star gets blown up (laughs) so it's yeah it's like it's basically just like yeah these are just the three important moments and obviously a bunch of stuff happens in between it's an entire war but um yeah so but yeah one thing um and one thing actually i was looking at it earlier i didn't watch anything on disney plus today but i was looking at it earlier just trying to find something to watch and um i went to the like the marvel section of disney plus because you know how they have those tabs on the front page yeah yeah i went to the marvel section and the way they have it split up is um interesting because like they have phase one and phase two organized in their own lists in release order um and then phase three and phase four because phase four only consists of four episodes of a tv show right now um they have that organized into a list in reverse release order. Um, obviously, because huh. it's probably so that, you know, um, once uh, like more stuff comes out for the current phase, people can just watch what's newest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, and then they also have Marvel Cinematic Universe in timeline order list where, you know, it ditches the phase structure obviously and organizes everything 
like in a linear order according to where it falls on the timeline um right. it's interesting to see it too and obviously wandavision's at the tail end of it because it's the most recent, recent marvel yeah. thing and really the only things that um uh the list is missing for um rights reasons is the incredible hulk in both of the spider-man movies that take place in the mcu um which in terms of progressing storylines are i think the three least important um movies anyway yeah 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 um now of course when she hulk starts up with as many hulk characters as that's going to be bringing back we'll see how important that first hulk movie ends up being um and uh obviously spider-man far from home you saw far from home already right yeah 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 that that the post credit scene for that one kind of introduces the secret invasion storyline so yeah we'll we'll see how it all goes but yeah i'm kind of looking forward to once like the movies from phase four start getting going and start getting added to disney plus because then like i'm thinking obviously phase four is going to be split off from the phase three list phase three is going to be reorganized in release order and then phase four is probably going to come out in is going to be organized into reverse release order for that list and like once once black widow comes out it's you know going to be put there and you know so on and so yeah. forth and uh, oh dang that's going to be so weird because then the the marvel cinematic universe in timeline order list is going to very suddenly just like have black widow there next to like black panther on, and doctor strange on the list yeah because that's where it takes place timeline wise yeah but yeah and it just makes me think too like if if I ever like have someone in my life um, who like is unfamiliar with the Marvel movies but wants to try getting into them, how would I introduce them? Would I start with Iron Man or would I try doing the timeline order and start with Captain America? It's ugh, it's mm. ugh. yeah, that's tough. It's a big question. I think I'd I'd, I'd almost like uh, I don't know. I I might go on uh, for at least the start go on quality wise to kind of like get them into it because like if they watch captain america the first captain america is good but it's not like it's not amazing yeah it was like a average superhero movie so if they saw that and then they were like oh this is what the rest of it's going to be like it might they might feel like less inclined to continue whereas if you watch iron man like most everyone likes the first iron man yeah. it's one of the best marvel movies all right, so, so yeah, so release order the is probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, because um, yeah, because the first Iron Man is fantastic. That's a great way to like just hook someone in. And sure, yeah. I, Iron Man two isn't as good, but it gets more flack than I think it deserves. Um, and the, also, if you're if you're introducing someone to, uh, Marvel and kind of the I guess the weirder stuff. What I mean by that is like if someone, I don't know, they want a more like grounded story. I don't know. Like Iron Man is a good start for that. Um, Cause as the, the Marvel movies progress, they do get more fantastical and, and yeah, weird and stuff. Yeah. And weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it is an interesting um, progression to that point as well too, because uh Obviously, you start with Iron Man, um, 
which is the single most grounded movie in the MCU. Um, you know, for, as ridiculous as a guy in a flying suit of armor is, in theory, it is still the most believable idea in the entire yeah yeah Marvel they, universe. They make it yeah they make it believable. Um, yeah, and and uh, and then Iron Man two get makes it a little weirder with the lightning whips and the and stuff, but yeah. it's still in that same general space. And then yeah. Thor obviously gets out there with the uh, the alien gods and the yeah. magic science and all that and captain america is just a, a pulpy period piece and then obviously the avengers is where it starts to kick <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah yeah so timeline order might not be the best definitely go with the release order if you're introducing someone to it yeah, I I don't think uh, it's not like it's it's a Christopher Nolan movie or anything like that in terms of like talking about this timeline. So I don't think yeah. anyone is like whenever they would start watching it like brand new with uh, release order. I don't think anyone would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so confused. I'm stupid. What do I do? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That and um, confusing. I think uh. In terms of release, each of the movies was kind of released when it was relevant to the storyline. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, Captain America, the, the first Avenger, um, is always going to be like at the beginning of the timeline order because World War II is about as far back as Marvel's superhero timeline goes. But, um, Oh, I just thought about it. You'd also uh, get a little bit more out of um, the first Captain America movie if you had seen um, Iron, Iron Man, Man and Iron true. Man 2 just because of uh, Howard Stark being in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you would. Um, and uh, yeah, in Captain America also it was um, – it was released when Captain America himself was going to be most relevant to the Marvel timeline because Captain America was the last um, Avenger with a solo movie introduced. Um, yeah. And in terms of uh, what characters that Disney has the rights to, it's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, they did squeeze Hulk in there between the two Iron Man movies because Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk were released in the same year. But when you think about it, phase one is really the story of how Marvel's Trinity started with Iron Man, Thor, and Cap before yeah, yeah. meeting up as the Avengers. And the Incredible Hulk doesn't cover Hulk's origin story anyway. Like the the current Hulk that we have in these movies, his origin story um, has largely been untold. And I don't think it needs to be told either. Um, yeah. They just kind of are going based on people's pre-existing knowledge of the Hulk for these movies, which I think is actually really interesting. Yeah, it's it's a good idea. What's what's weird about it is that, like, if you watch it, it feels a lot like a sequel to the not-in-canon Ang Lee Hulk movie. It does. And that's what I thought it was when it first came out, too. That's what it feels like. And I, I think that was very intentional as well. Um, yeah. I think they kind of did that on purpose. And uh, 
Yeah, and it's so weird that of the four Avengers who got solo movies before um, the end of Phase 1, out of all those characters, the Hulk is the one that people knew the most about. He was the most culturally relevant of the four of them. Yeah. yeah. And now, um, I, I feel like a lot of people think of Hulk as a side Avenger. Yeah. Yeah, because during that time, like... Uh... Your your big superheroes from that time for Marvel, it's all about like what movies were out during that time. So you basically had, and this this isn't just like Marvel cinematic stuff that they actually own. I just mean the Marvel stuff that people knew at that time. There was Hulk, the Spider Man. There's definitely Fantastic Four, the X Men. Uh, oh yeah, X Men. Yeah, yeah, X Men, and then like. Also, Blade, because, like, Blade was yeah. huge. So, yeah. I don't think a lot of people knew Blade was a Marvel character, though. No, that's the thing. Like, way back when, I had no idea Blade was a Marvel character. And I, I watched it recently, and I don't even think they put, like, a Marvel tag at the beginning. Like a Marvel yeah, studio. I think it just says like based on the Marvel Comics character something somewhere like that. Yeah. in the opening uh credits. And um because I don't think Marvel had like a logo for movies at the time. Yeah, yeah. When the first blade came out, which is crazy to me. Their their logo it. has evolved so much. I do miss the old one where it's just like complete silence except for that like whooshing comic book page flipping it's, sound yeah it's flipping i i that's that's so I, nostalgic for me i really yeah. like that one i, I mean, do i, like I do miss that too. um yeah that logo but it makes sense how they progress to this one because the marvel cinematic universe became so big and became its own thing where it's like yeah let's have a a logo for this universe i mean we've got so much footage and property we can easily do that yeah yeah it's just um kind of sad now because with marvel effectively owning everything that that's theirs except for spider-man in terms of movie rights um we're never really going to see that logo again oh well no maybe because sony has a ton of spider-man spinoffs that are going to fail planned so uh like they got yeah. another venom movie in the works they've they've had trailers for morbius for a while now so we're gonna see that logo in those but that's it like even the mainline spider-man movies right now because they're in the mcu get the mcu logo yeah gosh that morbius movie is gonna do so bad <laughs> yeah i i don't have any faith that that one's going to succeed like i'm normally like optimistic about a lot of superhero movies especially properties i like but Firstly, like, yeah, they you can slap the Marvel logo on it, sure, but um, it's Sony making it. They don't have the same push that Marvel Studios does in, t- in terms of like audience trust. Yeah, and um, and after you know both Venom and Bloodshot, um, Sony doesn't have like a good reputation for even their better superhero movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which it's sad when you say that Venom and Bloodshot are two of their better ones. That is uh, really weird. But uh, as much as I love Bloodshot, I have no illusions about that movie's quality. Yeah. Um... (laughs) And it also depends on when uh, 
if if Sony's going to do like a whole Warner Brothers HBO Max thing or whatever. But like before COVID happened, I could go ahead and tell you that like the second Venom movie would do good. I was surprised the first Venom movie did as good as it did. So once I saw that did good, I was like, okay. Yeah, so we're going because... to introduce Carnage into it. Like it's even if it's not a great movie, it's going to make it's going to at least make its money back. Yeah, I feel like Venom did well because he's still like right there on the edge of recognizable Spider-Man character, right? Because um, Spider-Man is one of the three most recognizable superheroes on the planet. Um, so characters associated with him are also going to be recognizable. And Venom is one of Spider-Man's most well-known villains. So yeah. I, I slash sometimes allies. So I, I think like a lot of why Venom succeeded is because a lot of people were like, oh yeah, Venom, the, the Spider-Man dude, I know that guy, and went to see the movie. You see, uh, whenever I see a lot of people on the internet talk about how like... Um, uh, why certain superhero movies are going to flop because this character isn't recognizable. I usually have a tendency to disagree because a lot of people say that about Marvel Studios movies. Like a lot of people are saying that the Eternals is going to do poorly. And a lot of people thought the same about Guardians of the Galaxy. But here's the thing um, people are not going to see the Eternals because it's the Eternals. They're going to see the Eternals because of that little red box over the Eternals logo that says Marvel inside of it. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like uh, until Nintendo started getting crappy. It was like the Nintendo's uh, um, uh, on the NES cartridges, how they had the Nintendo seal of approval, basically. Yeah. It was like, it was like a, a sign of quality to people, basically. That yeah. they knew, like, okay, this will be good. Yeah, that, that little Marvel Studios logo above the title of the movie is what's drawing people in. Because at this yeah. point, um, Marvel, as as a movie studio that makes superhero movies, has established such brand recognition out, like um, pretty much outside of its own characters. Like Marvel is a is a brand. It's so weird to to kind of view it this way, but like Marvel is a brand independent of its characters that rules over its characters you know oh yeah yeah so sure. it's it, when when people are going to see a marvel movie they know that it's a marvel movie and that's what's drawing them in um all all people are really thinking is like i'm just being introduced to a new set of characters now it's just a new uh thing within this same thing that i already know um but the reason that you and i don't have that same faith in morbius is because Morbius doesn't get to have that same little Marvel Studios logo over the top of it, even though it's technically based on a Marvel property. That is the thing. Like if it, if Marvel somehow, if they first off, if they had the rights to Morbius, and for some reason they were like, okay, let's let's make a Morbius movie within our Marvel Cinematic Universe, it would do a lot better. It it definitely easily make its money back if it was simply, this is Marvel studios right here um but yeah it's it's completely like you're saying it's just that it's not attached to them so there isn't that that quality stamp basically yeah um, and a lot of people there's sony is is usually two out of three movies two out of three superhero movies turn out bad by sony 
Yeah. So they're they're not too optimistic. And then whenever it's like a character, like with the Marvel thing, the those Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Marvel Studios, even though it's a not recognizable character, it'd do good. But with Sony, it's a not recognizable character, and Sony's known for not the best quality, so it just doesn't really intrigue anyone. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know this character or care about him. It's also made by a studio that doesn't really know what they're doing. So yeah, I'm not going to go see it. Yeah. And um, yeah, and they're, they are trying to, um, you can see in the Morbius trailers too, they are trying to get people in on this by like putting Michael Keaton in the movie who, you know, was the vulture. So people who know that Morbius is a Spider-Man character are going to make that connection. Sure. But um, only the people who know that are going to make that connection because the kind of people who are going to be seeking out trailers for this movie um, are not like casual comic book fans who will just go see a movie because it's a superhero movie. Um, They are, you know, the people who are, are seeking this out um, like intentionally knowing this character is getting a movie because I've been keeping up with the news about it. Um, yeah. So like it's, yeah, they, they put the, the Michael Keaton bit in there, the little tease in there to let people know like, Oh, the vulture is going to be in this movie. But um, yeah, like I said, like, but not everyone's going to know that he's supposed to be that same character. Yeah. And honestly, just taking it out of the whole, like, yes, it's kind of in a, it's kind of in a universe, a superhero universe. If you're just taking it out out of that context and just watching the trailer, it, it it's the most average trailer I've ever seen. Yeah, it, is. it doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, yeah. the The fact that Sony has been trying so hard to, even though um, they have their deal with Marvel right now, the fact that they've been trying so hard to get this Sinister Six universe up and running still. Uh, is just it's a baffling decision to me like you have uh, and I understand it's not nearly as recognizable as the Marvel brand right now but from Valiant Comics you currently have the movie rights to Bloodshot and Harbinger maybe just kind of focus on those for now and try to make them good like genuinely good yeah but that requires hiring good writers and, and this and that and we don't want to do that. We just want to get you in on the name, spend spend as little amount of effort as we can on the product, on the actual product, and just hope you come in on name name recognition. Yeah, and that's depressing. Yeah, that's the depressing reality of how movies are made. Yeah, yeah, like because <laughs> it's just. It's just so annoying to, to see it too, even from Warner Brothers with the DC movies, how um, like the only movies with any creative passion in them are Zack Snyder's DC movies. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like you can be, it's, it's 50-50. People like them, people don't like them, but you have to at least admit the guy does like 
love this stuff. He has like a, a creative passion for this universe. Yes, as horribly like, as he misunderstands the source material, at least he thinks he cares about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'll at least give him that. Like, I'm, I'm glad that like, even if I don't love everything that he does with them, I like that he's at least passionate about what he's putting out on screen instead of just like uh yeah yeah do this this is just a a nine to five yeah i don't care because because here's here's the weird thing about my opinion of Zack snyder's dc movies um i i do not think that they are good um like dc comics superhero movies in fact i don't even think they're good superhero movies i still enjoy them anyway because i think they're good like sci-fi action movies but um i like i don't think that Zack snyder was the right choice to properly adapt dc superheroes but um i uh i mean i do i do like his watchman movie but um and i and like i said i like man of steel and i like batman v superman but I recognize the fact that, like, the, that's not; those are not good interpretations of those characters, right? Um, and, uh, but yeah, and and I would rather have Zack Snyder's um, uh, less than faithful um, adaptation of these characters that has passion behind it than Warner Brothers' um, made by committee studio product. Uh, that just feels like they're trying to imitate Marvel. Yeah, just the most generic, bland things ever because it literally would be just the studio just trying to check off boxes of what makes a modern-day superhero movie. Because I like Shazam. I think that's a good movie. And I like Aquaman, even though um, I don't think it's as good as Shazam. I like it about as much. Mm-hmm. Um and I haven't seen Birds of Prey yet, but I want to because I heard that that one was actually really good. Um, I'll have to see it eventually. The Some of the action I've seen in it, it could definitely use some work, but I heard it, was, it wasn't it was bad. I Every time I think of like the action in that movie, I think of the bit from the trailers where Harley, like, there's a dude with his like feet up on a table or something sitting down and Harley like jumps up and like stomp kicks his knees. I don't even remember. I I feel like I've seen that in a trailer somewhere. I've just seen some of like the fight scenes and stuff, and they're just really boring. Huh. But yeah, I uh, I um I do want to see that movie uh, because, like I said, I heard it's actually pretty good. Um, but like I've heard, Wonder Woman eighty four was bad, like objectively. That's that's what's crazy is like I haven't heard well I've heard one um, I've heard one person say they liked it um, but like all the other people or all the other uh, videos or whatever it's just like people just don't care for it like they, they see like it could have been good but it's just like uh, I think it was Patty Jenkins who directed the first Wonder Woman. Her having written this one wasn't mm. a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so for, for me, I think like 
DC hits it 50-50 under Warner Brothers. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd agree. Because DC doesn't have their own dedicated movie studio as well, when you think about it that way. Um, it's all made by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, whereas with with Marvel, Marvel has its own dedicated movie studio for these superhero movies. It's just a part of Disney. Yeah, yeah. Disney's, Disney's paying for these movies, but they're not the ones making them. Yeah. So and that actually... also is is you know another thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think this conversation started because I think what we ultimately wanted to say was I think it would be best for Warner Brothers to just kind of um, instead of trying to make a cinematic DC universe in theaters, just let directors and writers and movie makers do what they're going to do with. Um, the characters that they have independent of one another. And if they want to try to build a shared universe, I think the animated movies might be the best way to go for that. Yeah. And, and with modern day DC, uh, excluding wonder woman 84, it seems like DC is kind of doing that, which I'm all on board for that. Yeah. uh, Um, just like having Joker over here, Joker's great. It has nothing to do with anything else, but it's great. Yeah. Um, the new now, Suicide Squad movie actually looks pretty good. It doesn't look like it'll have anything to do with most of the other movies. Yeah, James Gunn, has like said, be... James Gunn has even said you don't have to watch any of the other movies to prepare for the Suicide Squad one. Yeah, and and that's that's how like a lot of the modern day uh, DC movies have kind of been. It's like. There's not really a universe anymore. It's just we're putting putting it yeah. out. Now, at this point, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah me too. Like, and even even with Aquaman, um, you, there was like one reference to what happened in Justice League, and then they completely forget about it. And um, and in Shazam, I'm sure there's a ton of references to Superman and Batman both, but um, that's mostly from the perspective of just like, uh. Uh, you know, some little superhero nerd who likes them. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. One thing I like about Shazam is it feels like a, yeah, it does feel like it takes place in a superhero world, but it's still very much a solo superhero story. And I, yeah, and, I, and it's, I think that sort of setting is interesting. Yeah. And it's not even that it's like <clears throat> set in Zack Snyder's uh, Batman and Superman world. It's more just like, this is a story that's set in the universe of where Batman and Superman exist, but it's not, it doesn't entirely have to be the universe from these movies. Yeah. It could, it could literally be any Batman and Superman that exists yeah, in yeah. the world and exactly. Shazam still fits. Yeah. Um, except for maybe the Red Sun versions. I don't think they gel that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you can basically pick your favorite Batman and your favorite Superman and say that those are the ones in this world and that Shazam movie still works. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on board for... Uh... Honestly, I'm, I'm cool with... Uh... I, I know they won't do it, but they just did like Elseworlds type stories mm-hmm. like like jokers basically an elseworld yeah. story um, now I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you um you could have called 
that Joker movie, something like Sad Clown, um, and it would have been the same movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Call, call the movie Sad Clown and remove mention of uh, the Waynes, and it's it's pretty much like and change the like the name of the Wayne family to something else, and yeah, you, it, have, it, you have the same movie. Yeah, um, it barely <laughs> has anything to do with DC. Yeah, but it does like uh, like a lot of Elseworlds stories. It does like heighten it a little bit when you have like oh this is like like I'm talking about some Elseworlds stories now. This is Batman, but like most of what you know about Batman isn't in this story. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. A little bit like, a uh, Earth One. Uh, oh, D- yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I was DC's, trying to remember. Yeah, DC's Earth One line of graphic novels was reinterpretations of the characters that, um, made them, like, significantly different from their main parts and in some instances they were very different like green lantern which i heard is like the best one of that entire line and sometimes it's basically basically the same thing like with superman yeah yeah except in that superman series in superman earth one i believe lex Luthor was a woman okay it's it's been a while since i've read the first volume of Earth One Superman. I don't think Lex Luthor showed up in the first volume. I've had I have it on my shelf. It was the first Superman comic I ever uh, read. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, um, as far as creating a cinematic universe, I think DC should stick to trying to do that with their animated stuff and get like get comic book writers to write those sorts of movies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because comic book writing translates, as far as I've seen, comic book writers translate real well to writing for animation. Yeah, because, I mean, essentially what they're writing for, they're not doing the art, but they're writing for, in a comic, it's essentially stills of a, a animated short, basically. Yeah. That's essentially what a comic is, is it's almost like uh, like storyboards, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it, it makes sense that, yeah, the writing translates well. Because comic book writing doesn't always translate well to film writing and vice versa. Yeah. Film, uh, like movie writers don't always uh, write great comic books when they try their hand at it. But um, switching off between comic books and animation, though, in terms of writing, that I've, as far as I've noticed, that seems to work out pretty well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like hire some comic book writers to write some DC movies. Freaking get Jeff Lemire to write a Green Arrow movie. Yeah, that'd be dope. I would I would watch that and then like get the <laughs> hire the best crew of animators you possibly can. Freaking go to Japan and get Studio Bones to animate a Green Arrow movie for you. Written by <laughs> Jeff Lemire. <laughs> if you want to make like a uh, a a Gotham type cinematic universe. What I mean is like the Gotham characters. Get James Tenney in the fourth to like do all that. Just yeah. be like, hey man, like we saw what you did with like pretty much a lot of your Batman stuff, like Batman Eternal, Detective Comics, all that stuff. We saw all that. You're good at making this greater universe. Like, yes, the the individual Batman stories are like 
fantastic when it's just like Batman and Alfred. But yeah. if you're wanting to to make that expanded universe, like he's the guy to do it. He's able to like make you actually care about these 15 to 20 other Batman-esque superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where yeah, I just feel like as far as having a shared continuity goes, and I don't even know if D- DC's planning to try shared continuity again in the movies because with Apocalypse War, that was it for that one. The, the, like, yeah, from from Justice League War to Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, that was it. It's like a sixteen movie timeline. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be at least like five to ten years before they try it again. Yeah, which I but I I I still need to see Man of Tomorrow, but I really want to see it because it like I like the animation in it and I like the character designs. Like I love the way that movie looks. A lot of people had issues with it, but um I really like the way it looks. And I wish that um an entire like DC cinematic universe could be kind of built on that visual foundation. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. I just thought about something. I, I gotta look it up to see if they're even doing this in production. Like the, the easiest thing, because a lot of times with the animated movies, it is essentially just like a, a one-off thing. Yeah. Um, at least in recent years. Um, why haven't they done uh, Superman smashes the clan as a movie, as, as an animated movie. It it's, it'd be so good. Yeah. Cause it could oh. easily translate to an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe because it's not, well, I, I was going to say maybe because it's not a super recognizable story, but they've, they've built, um, animated movies on, on less recognizable ones than that. So, I don't know. Yeah, they they've had like the most random. Sometimes it's like random characters, and sometimes it's just like random story points almost. Yeah, and they've turned those into animated movies. Well, uh, one of my um, I think my favorite animated Superman movie that I've seen so far though would have to be uh, Superman versus the Elite, because I think that movie. Um, gets Superman in a way that no live action filmmaker has been able to capture. Capture. I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's so good. Like, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Visually, it does look like um, an episode of a cartoon series, like a weekly cartoon series. Um, you can tell this was like a direct to DVD or made for TV movie. But in terms of the actual story being told, um, it's fantastic. And uh, I, I, like I said, I think it's my favorite Superman movie um, of the entire animated lot because uh, uh, it just, it gets him. It's based on um, the story, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Oh, okay. So I think that's probably why it's so good. Yeah. Hang on. What's so funny? Okay, I, I have uh, seen like a trailer or something of it before because I remember seeing 
the trailer or something and being like, oh my gosh, Superman's huge. Yeah. He's a beefy boy. Yeah, beefy, beefy boy. He looks like a like a cartoon character. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was written by Joe Kelly. Oh, Joe Kelly, really? Okay, but yeah, um, uh, Joe Kelly uh, wrote the early issues of Deadpool's first um, ongoing series. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, oh, and he was also one of the creators of Ben 10. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, but he was he was the guy who wrote the original Superman story that inspired Superman versus the Elite. But um, yeah, and it, it was basically um, he uh, written as a response to the idea that superheroes um, uh, like have to be kind of dark and gritty now. Um, cause it says here, uh, the comic features a moral struggle between Superman and the values of a newer, more violent team of heroes called the elite. The clash mirrored a real life debate among the comics community and light of the success of comics, such as the authority, which featured more explicit sex and violence. This issue was well received by critics and has been reprinted several times, but, um, yeah, it's basically a response to the darker, grittier superheroes of the modern age um, yeah, yeah. and how they're kind of be- they, they have been and kind of still are becoming more popular um, yeah but uh, but Superman still like has his place he's still relevant and that's kind of the point right yeah because a lot of people basically whenever the dark and gritty stuff started happening with comics and with movies a lot of people were like, there's no place for this this Boy Scout, like that type of attitude, basically. Yeah, but you know, it, I've, I've always taken issue with the big blue Boy Scout nickname, because you know what Boy Scouts yeah. are? Always prepared. You know who's yeah, yeah. always prepared? Batman. Superman, yeah. Wait, wait. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Batman's more of a like in the literal sense Batman's more of a boy scout than Superman is. Yeah. Yeah, I I just thought, I think usually when they say boy scout <clears throat> they usually I'm guessing are uh which it's weird cuz it's not really the best uh best analogy using a boy scout but like the follow the rules. Yeah, um, yeah type thing but it's weird that yeah yeah that i i know that's what i mean of like you know this this example of like moral um whatever it is superiority i don't know how to say it i guess how that like came about was like uh back in the day like joining uh like the scouts was almost like a uh a, a good thing for you to do or something it was, it was like the the custom it was like of course you're going to join the scouts and you're going to raise up in a great environment i don't know it's weird that all right so that's store brand comics for the week um if you want to see more of brandon and his uh creativity 
You can check out uh, Dismay Comics, that's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics, on Facebook and Instagram, where he um, uh, writes his own independent uh, comic books, uh, horror, superhero stuff, you know, the like. Um, And he uh, says he's going to start up the Kickstarters for some of these soon, so... Hopefully sooner rather than later. I know that he plans for his Kickstarter of a superhero comic, The Gallows Man, to um, happen uh, before the second half of this year starts. But that's um, that's all I know at this time. So we'll keep you updated as that changes. But um, yeah, so check out Dismay Comics. Uh, good comic book stuff from him. Um, as for me, the plugs that I'm doing, um, you're listening to one of them, firstly, Storebrand Comics. Congratulations, you found us. And uh, genuinely, thank you for listening. Uh, this is just a little hobby podcast we do, so it does mean a lot that you know anyone would want to uh, listen to this, uh, especially for as long as we have a tendency to talk. <laughs> um, so thank you. And... Um, also, we do have a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, now, that one does not have a regular schedule. This this podcast, Storebrand Comics, um, new episodes come out every Friday, as much as we can possibly manage. But for the Dungeons & Dragons podcast we have, that one doesn't have a regular schedule, at least not anymore. Um, and I also think it's uh, coming close to a kind of reaching like a closing point pretty soon. Nice short series. It's called Scoundrels D&D for Terrible People. It is a dark comedy villain campaign over there, where uh, and it's not as you know family friendly as we try to keep it here. But um, over there at Scoundrels, I am the dungeon master. Brandon is one of my players, and uh, the other three players are our friends Dan, Stefan, and Clay. Um, and we get up to some wacky, evil stuff over there. So you know, check that out if you're interested in that sort of dark humor. But. Um, other than that, uh, that's it, I believe. No recommendations, because this was just a sort of bonus episode. So, um, yeah, uh, I have been Tio, and he's been Brandon, and now we're not, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>